the big brain behind Yahoo Sports. Check out the big brain on brand. Rivals.com. This is everything USC. It's a touchdown. USC. Welcome to the new Trojansports.com. Pat is pacing the field like a caged cat around the 32-yard line. And it's good. Honore Hadari with a 53-yard field goal. And the Trojans lead 13-10 with two and a half minutes remaining in the game. How do you do? The Trojan Sports Podcast is... The ruling on the field is a fumble, and the Trojans have the ball and the game. Unless the ruling is overturned on the field, the Trojans will beat the Stanford Cardinal for the second year in a row. Now, 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 here's Chris Watson, Blair Angulo, and Adam Mayo with your Trojan Sports Talk. After a bye week, welcome back to the Trojansports.com podcast. I'm Blair Angulo. You can follow me at Angulo on Twitter. Joined by Chris Swanson, the editor of Trojansports.com. You can follow him, Chris P. Swanson, and also Adam Maya, Adam J. Maya on Twitter. Adam, you're back from Boston. You're back from a couple days uh, rest. Uh, how you feeling? I feel wonderful, Blair. I appreciate you asking me. How much did you miss football this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I didn't. I didn't uh, get completely away from it. I made sure to watch uh, what was going on in the Pac-12, and uh, it's pretty your, unbelievable. It's not your job or anything. <laughs> but uh, I think we saw uh, a lot in the Pac-12 um, that will be very foreboding. Um, you know, Oregon and Washington State. That tells you that Washington State is not going to be an easy game, especially up there in Pullman, Arizona, and Cal. Unbelievable. And so I think we have a lot of parity in this conference. Pretty believable, though, with that Cal defense and that Arizona defense. What they did in the fourth quarter, that's pretty believable. Like, if you would have told me that would have happened, I'd be like, yeah, that's so Cal. Th- 36 in the fourth quarter? Yes. <laughs> but uh, two two games that are, well, three teams that USC has to play. You know, we can't just give them, you know, victories here before we get there. Chris, elsewhere in the Pac-12, we took a close look at Oregon State. They beat San Diego State 28-7 to at home. They improved it 3-0. to They're coming to the Coliseum this weekend, which, while we're on that subject, it's been forever since we've been at the Coliseum. That was back in August, you know, back, what, what was going on in the world back in August? I mean, it's, it's just so long ago. Oregon State obviously comes into town now undefeated. How did they look to you um, watching from afar? You know, I thought they were incredibly impressive. Uh, San Diego State's not your typical Mountain West team. They get some talent. They're usually really good. I think last year they went 9-4 and four and competed for their division. And uh, Oregon State, after that first drive, uh, when San Diego State really went down the field and did whatever they want, they didn't let them do anything. Oregon State held them to 106 yards uh, passing, uh, you know, not very many rushing yards either. They, they look good. Uh, defensively, they have a bunch of returning starters. Uh, obviously, Sean Mannion looked amazing. He broke their, uh, their yardage record for a career at Oregon State. They got some weapons on every side of the ball, so I think that uh, they're going to be dangerous for USC. Yeah, I mentioned this on the board in my scouting diary of the game. If you haven't uh, checked it out, check it out at trojansports.com. Sean Mannion might be the most challenging guy that the USC defense has faced this year. He can do a lot. He's shown the ability to move in the pocket now. He keeps his eyes downfield. He has good awareness, and he has a really good arm, makes all the throws. Adam, you've obviously taken a close look at the team on the road. You saw them against Boston College and, and that dynamic offense, which proved really yeah, dynamic. Yeah, Blair, I know what you're talking about. Sean Mannion, I mean, Tyler Murphy ran for 200 yards. Uh, Sean Mannion won't do that 
And I think that changes everything for the way that they can prepare this week for a quarterback that you know will be situated in the pocket. USC hasn't had much of a pass rush, and I think this is a week where we learn if they can get one or not. Oregon State's O-line is pretty beat up. They're missing their best linemen, and they have a stationary quarterback, and so USC better get to him. Kevin Hogan was pretty stationary, and and we saw that USC defense bend a a ton against Stanford. They obviously buckled down when it mattered, and and, and in the red zone they were really good. What can Mannion do to make it maybe a little bit more troublesome for that defense? He'll get the ball out. He'll be, uh, I think he'll be getting it to his, uh, you know, slot receivers early, you know, in the play. Um, He's not going to wait for Leonard Williams to get there. And uh, Mike Riley usually has a good game plan for USC. He just seems to be very in tune with with how to play them, you know, over the last decade. And so I think Mannion, um, you know, being a veteran starter will be very shrewd and we'll see a lot of, probably a lot of short passes, quick passes. Um, they don't have, you know, Brandon Cooks, obviously. They don't even have Victor Bolden. So, you know, we don't know too much about this receiving core at this point, but um, I think the, the approach will be, again, a lot of uh, uh, quick, short, underneath passes and uh, they're not going to wait for for Leonard and company. Yeah, Mannion utilizes the flats really well uh, from what I saw in that San Diego State game. Chris, the USC offensive line looked, uh, let's say, bad uh, against Boston College. How do you expect them to bounce back after having you know, gone into the film room and, and had an extra week to prepare and, and you know, finally heading back and playing at home? I don't expect them to. I, to be honest with you, they have three freshmen to play too much on that offensive line for them to be good anytime soon. The best hope for them is that they figured out towards the end of the season, which we've seen in past seasons before with USC, uh, the 2011 season comes to mind where they had uh, German Gatlin at, um, at left guard and they were awful. And then later in the season, they figured it out and they became a good team. So basically, it's just experience is going to help this offensive line. Right now, though, they are bad. Steve Sarkeesian, after that Boston College loss, the biggest thing for him, he said, was during this bye week to be able to realize what their identity is, to figure out what they are offensively, what they are defensively, and who they are as a team. Is this enough time for them to figure it out? And, and you know, we're basically a month in now. If you don't really know who you are, then there, there might be some, some trouble there. I think the problem is is that uh, he wants to be them to be a power team. He wants them to be able to run the ball down people's throats. They can't do it. They don't have the personnel for it now with that offensive line. They're a finesse team, but that's not what Steve Sarkeesian likes to do. That's not his offense. So he's going to have to balance you know, between what I want to call and what I should call. And he's going to have to figure out that this team can't run the ball up the middle. Yeah, and I, I think, too, he, he, I think, came to a realization in the last week that he has too many receivers not to utilize them more. We saw a lot of Ajene Harris um, in the slot. He moved Nelson back outside. This is in practice. I don't know how they're going to line up, you know, in the first quarter with Oregon State. But um, with Juju being a little bit hobbled, it gave, you know, kind of, I think it reminded him that, okay, Nelson is a, a pretty explosive, maybe a little bit more on the perimeter. And then you can put Ajene in the, in the slot. And, you know, again, Juju's going to play. Juju's been playing well. But we're going to see more of a JNA. I, I really believe that. Um, 
Morgarius Rogers. Um, people have asked about Stephen Mitchell. I don't think they're there yet with him. I don't think that he's uh, all the way back. But, I mean, he'll be a productive receiver when he's ready to. But I think they have to be patient with him. And so, even without him, they have about five or six guys. Maybe a little bit more Victor Blackwell. And they're going to have to throw the ball. And, like Chris said, they want to be a running team. But if they can't, they can't. They'll try it again. I think that the first quarter they're going to run a lot. And if they don't find success... Then I think they'll they'll let you know they'll give the the keys to the offense to Cody a little bit more than they have. Offensively, you want to keep the ball um, as for as long as you can, just to keep that defense, which we've talked about at length, being uh, you know a little lacking in depth. To keep them on the sideline as much as possible. Wh- who are some guys, Chris, that you think could emerge on that defensive side that maybe you know haven't played out here the first month? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to say because they they use so many of the same guys. I think we've seen a lot of the guys emerge even in in bad games. So, you know, I think Gerald Bowman has has played pretty well. I I want to see more from uh, Leon McQuay. Uh, he's a guy that you know, five star recruit coming out of high school. Everybody's so high on him. He took some bad angles against Boston College. So I I'm kind of hoping to see him turn it around, and I I would expect him to eventually have a good game. So yeah, I'm I'm expecting a, a big game from the cornerbacks. Um, you know they're, they're going to be tested. I think this is kind of their game. You know, uh, where like Stanford was like you know on the the front seven and particularly the linebackers. I think this game will come down to Kevon and Chris Hawkins and Adori, and I expect them to all play very well. You see Hawkins getting more and more confident with each game. Kevon, you know, I think can be a star this year. I think he's kind of uh, developing into that. And um, they, the coaches really liked Adori this past week in the bye week. He got a lot of reps, and they feel like his technique has really improved. Um, they haven't really put him on offense too much, and I think that's allowed him to mature defensively and kind of get more of that awareness back and the things that, you know, you need reps to, to do. And with week one, him playing so much offense, you know, I think he kind of got a little bit rusty at cornerback. Oregon State has a running back named Storm Woods, so you'd expect the USC defense to be a little tested. That's pretty pretty cool name. Is there is there a name in on that USC team that might match up with it? Blair, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Storm Woods. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know who you're talking about. Name. I don't know what you're talking He's about. He's a running back. He carries the ball. It's pretty stormy <laughs> out there. You have a you have an award to give out. Oh yeah, okay. So I apologized last week. Um, you know, you failed us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> were there awards to give out last week? <laughs> right. But exactly. uh, we we had promised we would give out we would give out the weekly award. You know, Stuart Cravens um, was one player that did have a great game defensively. So keeps me in stud as much. But that was apparent with the way that he played. So we're gonna give him the. Uh, my South Central kid beat up your Southie kid um, for his play against Boston College. Even in defeat, still a wonderful game. And uh, you're, the, you're the best interview on the team as well. The award is in the mail. <laughs> we, uh, we've had, obviously, a week and a half, two weeks to really dissect and uh, digest the Boston College loss. Now we have some predictions. Uh, Chris Swanson, I'm going to lead it off with you because you feel that uh, this could be another one of those challenging affairs for USC. I think this game's a total toss-up, and I think it's going to be so close. I think USC fans are going to be scared late in the fourth quarter. I really do. Um, The thing is that we saw USC struggle with with 
power packages on offense when Boston College was putting in extra linemen, extra tight ends. I think Oregon State does that well. The one thing Oregon State doesn't have is, as Adam mentioned before, that offensive line isn't exactly healthy and they're a little inexperienced. So I think USC has an advantage there, but I'm worried about that. For USC, I think Sean Mannion is going to have an amazing day. Uh, The secondary for USC is great so far. They haven't given up a touchdown through the air yet, but I think that might change. I think Mannion's their best competition yet. Um, so yeah, I think they'll uh, they'll give him plenty of problems, and I think uh, I'm thinking 31 28. Okay. To who? USC. Okay. So you're still calling a victory. still calling USC, but it's going to be close. You're not going to be able to write your story during the game. That's what you're saying because yeah. it's still going to be exactly. a toss up. Exactly. Okay. Well, I don't see it playing out like that. Um, I think we're going to see a very motivated, focused uh, USC team. And, you know, they talk about getting Oregon State's best shot or about, you know, each opponent getting their best shot. But Oregon State, for whatever reason, has not been able to do that in the Coliseum in a very long time before I was born, before, you know, almost anybody I know was born. And so I'm going to lean toward a, you know, not a blowout, but a comfortable victory. Uh, How about 31-17 USC? So 31-28 Mm-hmm. Was Chris thirty-one seventeen? Adam, I'll go with uh, thirty-five to twenty-four uh, in favor of the Trojans. I feel like they will, like you said, come out motivated. It's going to be a night game, so there's going to be the the whole day of anticipation. The fans are going to have a, a full day of tailgating, so you know I expect the Coliseum to be a little louder. It's going to be, uh, I think, a lot of fun just to kind of get them back out there. I think they they've been itching and they've been hearing about that loss and and uh, they'll be plenty motivated. We'll be back talking with BeaverBlitz.com publisher Angie Machado. Keep it right here, Trojansports.com podcast. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by Rivals. 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 We are now joined by Angie Machado of BeaverBlitz.com. Angie, what was your biggest takeaway from that Oregon State victory last week against San Diego State? Yeah, it was the defense. They they gave up a, a fifty or seventy yard uh, uh, play on the fir- or the series on the first series that, that led to a San Diego State touchdown. But after that, they held uh, San Diego State to one hundred and six passing yards and forty four yards rushing the rest of the entire game. So. Um, big, big uh, improvement there. And uh, it's the type of defense that Oregon State has had in the past when they've had really successful years. Yeah, they, uh, like you mentioned, they the defense stepped up. There were seven points right off the bat for San Diego State that took an early lead. 28 unanswered for the Beavers. Sean Mannion obviously became the school's all-time leading passer. In what ways is he better this year than, than last year when he really burst onto the scene? Well, you know, they have a new offensive coordinator now with uh, John Garrett. He came to Oregon State from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, he's really helped, you know, tighten up Mannion's throwing motion. He's made it quicker, has a quicker release, and and now Sean isn't afraid to tuck it up and run if he has to. Now, I mean, he's not going to be uh, any, um, you know, read zone options here, um, but he isn't afraid to run. You know, he against Portland State, he ran a six-yard touchdown in, which in the past we would have seen him just, you know, do anything he could not to, uh, to have to run it. You know, against San Diego State, he actually ran for three positive yards, and in the past, we might have seen him take a 10-yard sack. So he's really improved in that area. And one of the biggest things I think that has been positive for him, and I, it'll sound crazy, but you know, not having Brandon Cooks. Um, you know, Brandon was such an amazing receiver for Oregon State. 
um, but he also was was Sean's lock on target. And uh, you know, when when you catch 128 balls, it's pretty easy to see where Sean's going to go. Um, but now he has to spread it around. He doesn't have have a Brandon Cooks that he can get rid of the ball to, and uh, that is making him a better better quarterback as well because he has to go through his progression. Yeah, something that really stood out to me from that San Diego State victory was his footwork. You know, he you know he was under some 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 pressure, some duress, and he was uh, really, you know, keeping his eyes downfield, but also evading those blitzers and picking up the blitz and making sure um, that he was, you know, not, not being sacked. And, and it, it made it, it looked like he knew where the pressure was coming from, and, and I think his awareness uh, was really good as well. Yeah, yeah, his awareness has, has improved a great deal, and, and I think just the, the feel of the game, it, it slowed down again. You know, each year you play, it slows down a little bit more, and, and I think he has more of a comfort there in the pocket. Coach Sark and Coach Riley have had some history there uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Obviously, now Coach Sark is down at USC. Uh, what 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 is the I guess the recent history told us about what to expect here Saturday? You know, it, it's been interesting because Coach Sark really seems to have Coach Riley's number in a lot of ways. Um, a couple years ago, Oregon State went up, you know, probably the better team, better than Washington, and uh, lost a, a heartbreaker of a game up there. And then uh, last year, Washington just came into research and completely just demolished Oregon State. They scored quickly after, right on a, on a return, and uh, it was all downhill from there. So, you know, Stark really does have Coach Riley's number in a lot of ways. Um, but then again, Coach Riley knows what Stark is going to try to do, too. So it's just, it, it'll be a fun chess match to watch those two coaches, you know, kind of going head-to-head. USC was able to go into Corvallis last fall and and pull out an upset victory really and Chris Watson who joins us here he uh he got some uh you know a little bit of uh a little some some words from the fans on on the board uh you know calling because he called it an upset um how did you see that game being there last year um it, well i mean USC obviously just has so much talent so you know even in a down year for USC you, you still have to respect what they do. They have, um, you know, talented players that, um, you know, as long as you can get the most out of them, they're going to they're gonna win. But, you know, Oregon State and, and USC typically match up really well. The, you know, pro-style offenses for the most part that, um, you know, big, strong defenses that are physical. Um, I always like that matchup. I, I like USC and Stanford. I like Oregon State and Stanford. I, I like those more traditional um, offense that can, offenses that can go head-to-head. Um, you know, USC, though, that was, uh, I mean, Buck Allen, I think, just ran wild on Oregon State. So it was, it was tight for a while. It was a close game, and then um, it was the emergence of uh, Buck Allen who uh, really had a big game in Corvallis and kind of set the tone then for what you know his career was going to look like. Angie, Chris Swanson here. How do you think Oregon State's front seven can deal with Buck Allen this year and that rushing game? Do you think they've improved? Do you think that they have a shot to, to kind of shut him down a little bit this year? Oh, yeah, I, I do. I, Oregon State's run defense is has shown to be very, very strong this year. You know, last year they were, you know, they played USC later in the season. They had uh, their linebackers, the starting linebackers were out. This year, Oregon State has all three of their senior linebackers that are healthy and playing. Just just adds fuel to the, you know, the fire. And then the defensive line has improved a ton. Um, They're rotating, you know, eight to nine guys at at a time on the defensive front. You know, led by Dylan Wynn, and that's one that, you know, USC fans probably are familiar with. He's a defensive end. He's been, you know, stats. He's not showing up a ton on the stat sheet, but he's been drawing a lot of double teams, and is freeing up the other guys to really to make some plays. The Oregon State also has a couple big three hundred pound D tackles that are, are really getting in, mixing things up. I I love 
uh, Jalen Grimble. I know USC fans are familiar with Xavier Grimble. This is his, his brother, transferred from Miami, and uh, is really just a phenomenal player and is really kind of coming into his own as well. We, we've touched on some of their strengths. Um, where can USC give Oregon State some trouble there on Saturday at the Coliseum? You know, one of the biggest things that I'm watching is that the offensive line, Oregon State has had a couple injuries already. You know, the star lineman, Isaac Samalo, is out. Um, he broke his foot in the Hawaii Bowl this past year. is still rehabbing that. He's out of his boot, but um, still not going to play this weekend. Um, and then they've had a Garrett Weinreich, who is there, uh, was a guard, has had some knee issues. So they're starting a, 200, a 275-pound guard, Roman Sapolu, who, uh, while technique is found, you know, that matchup scares me a bit, just, you know, going against some of those big 300-pounders that USD will bring at him. Um, and, you know, he's just been playing left guard some. So that that's a little concerning if I'm an Oregon State fan. Um, and then also, you know, receivers. Oregon State lost Brandon Cooks. And uh, this past weekend, they lost Victor Bolden, who was their uh, kind of their go-to new guy, runs my sweep. He dislocated his finger, and uh, so he will not be playing this week. It was a, a compound dislocation, so he's out with stitches and had a minor surgery. So um, no way we see him. And then uh, the, the the number two guy in line to run the fly sweep and kind of be that fast uh, little flanker that Oregon State likes to utilize, he is out with a hip pointer. Now, he is going to try to practice this week and try to play but uh, you know Oregon State may end up burning the red shirt of a true freshman Xavier Hawkins out of Tennessee and uh, that if that's the case this will be his first game uh, live action in college Hi there Angie this is Adam Maya um, Oregon State incredibly has not won at the Coliseum since 1960 and while there have been you know many lean years between uh, then and now for Oregon State do you think, how much of that is mental that they haven't been able to win here? Yeah, I don't think it's mental. I mean, I honestly don't. Um, I think it has more to do with, uh, you know, just a lot of the guys that Oregon State has are from Southern California. USC is their dream school. They go down there trying to really, you know, maybe maybe too much pressure on their shoulders. Um, but as far as the that bugaboo on the shoulder, I think that's more something that alumni or, or fans maybe cling to a little more than the players. I mean, the players weren't even alive alive then they're not thinking about that they're thinking about you know going out playing USC and, and like I said is there a mystique about USC maybe you know maybe they're out there trying to really impress the coaches and say you know you messed up you didn't offer me um, and I think there might be a little of that and then you also have the, the distractions of so many family and friends that are, are coming to see them and, and in attendance but as far as uh, as them holding that as a heavy weight I, I don't I don't think we see that yeah, Angie, you mentioned Victor Bolden. He would have been one of those guys coming down from Oregon back home to Southern California. He's a Rancho Cucamonga native. Uh, bummer he won't be able to play at the Coliseum. Angie, we're going to put you on the spot before we let you go. Uh, Adam mentioned it first. Uh, you know They haven't won at the Coliseum since 1960. What, uh, what is your call for Saturday's result? You know, I, I go back and forth. I, I do... You know, I think if the defense can go in and, and really, you know, I, I think USC obviously, you know, saw we saw some uh, some struggles there with Boston College, but they've also had a second, a, you know, two weeks to prepare. I, I do think you know they'll wear down the Beavers, but I, I don't think it's a, a runaway win. I, I I'm saying a close, maybe 21-14 USC victory. Sounds good, Angie. Well, thanks a lot for joining us here on the TrojanSports.com podcast. You can follow her at Angie Machado One on Twitter, and she is the publisher of beaverblitz.com. Thanks a lot, Angie. Thanks, guys.
Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by Rivals. Rivals. We're back talking USC recruiting here with editor Chris Swanson. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris P. Swanson. Chris, the staff, was able to get out on the recruiting trail for the first time uh, this year um, or this fall uh, since the season started. Coach Steve Sarkeesian and, and Justin Wilcox, the defensive coordinator, were together. They made a stop at, at the Orange Lutheran game to see f- uh, five-star outside linebacker Keyshawn Lucier South, and they left uh, around halftime. They made it out to the Inland Empire to check out Long Beach Poly at Corona Centennial. Uh, we also had Peter Sermon and Marcus Tuyasasopo in Utah to check out Osa Messina. We had a USC rep at the Santa Margarita Bishop Gorman game in Las Vegas. Tim Drevno, the offensive line coach, got to see Cole Smith, uh, who you went to go see at the Mission Viejo Norco game deep in the uh, Inland Empire. How did how did Cole Smith look? Well, he told me that uh, he was feeling sick and it wasn't his best performance. I thought he looked decent. Um, he's he's short, I think, as we all know. He's kind of a smaller offensive lineman, but he's got great technique, and you know he's a, he's a physically nasty guy off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he didn't really seem to, to, to show as much nastiness as we had seen on film from him before, but I think that was because of his illness. Uh, I think it was overall good performance, though, and, and they rolled over Norco, which is never easy. Yeah, he had, uh, or Chris Swanson had over eight minutes of film. I think he recorded every play, every snap, and uh, it's pretty easy to record that guy when he has the ball in his hands to start every play. Uh, is there is there maybe a thinking that he could possibly be a guy that could contribute pretty early in his career? Because he has told me in the past that the staff has told him, and, and he expects uh, Max Turk to possibly be gone after this year. Yeah, I don't think he's a he's a guy that's going to contribute as a freshman, but I think he can contribute early. I don't I don't think that's ridiculous. He's he's a high football IQ guy. You know, his father played the game, and, and he really understands it. Uh, the other thing is is he's a true center, which the coaches really want. They're sick of teaching guys how to snap the ball, and they want someone that can come in and kind of learn it right away. The and you know they're they're they use young offensive linemen, so it wouldn't be so ridiculous for him to get early playing time either. So you saw Cole Smith, Tim Drevno saw a little bit of Cole Smith and then he took uh the the ninety one West where I was in Cerritos College to check out Anaheim Servite and another committed offensive lineman, Clayton Johnston. Uh I th- I thought Clayton looked really good. He's pretty athletic. Uh I was expecting him to be more of a mauler type just because I know Servite likes to run that style of offense. Um but he was uh he showed a tendency to get into that second level, open up pretty good holes. Um and, and uh I think USC is getting a good one there. Uh he told me that Dre uh, actually chatted with him at halftime when he arrived at Cerritos College and gave him some words of encouragement and, and he realized like oh you know coach actually showed up now I, I really uh, I'm really excited uh, so we have video up, up on that uh, at trojansports.com this week um, Equinemius St. Brown also looked really good had nearly 100 receiving yards he had a touchdown um, he had a couple drops but I think it was more eagerness and I saw more physicality out of him than I've seen uh, in the past uh, he's he's been a guy that's kind of gotten a reputation as being 
um, maybe a little bit too passive or a little bit too careful. And, and but I think he's a lot more physical. And 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 I think colleges are really uh, you know liking him now. He, he picked up an offer from Texas Tech on Sunday. You know he's taking that official visit to Notre Dame uh, in early October. But he's uh, you know he's excited to check out these schools. Um, that's the only official visit he's set. He doesn't know when he's going to set the others. And his dad actually told me, uh, "quote I don't know what this kid is doing." Um, so you know it's it's one of those things where I think Equinemius it might take it down all the way to that All Star game or, or National Signing Day. Uh, Clay Helton also uh, was out in the in, in Orange County. He checked out quarterback commit Sam Darnold of San Clemente, and Darnold uh, promptly uh, showed up as well. He uh, completed 14 of 16 passes, 183 yards, five touchdowns, and he also had a rushing touchdown. Um, you know those were some guys that the USC staff was out to see. Uh, now the USC staff has a home game that they can maybe host some recruits and bring some recruits in. We know of two upcoming official visitors, both are committed players, running back Agacedric Ware of Texas and Chuma Adoga of Georgia. Uh, Chris, uh, do you expect a lot of kids now to, to maybe come back to the Coliseum and check out this team after that Boston College loss and, and, and you know really kind of have interested eyes after, after opening some eyes against Stanford? You know, I, I do expect that. Um, first of all, cause, just because USC has been away from the Coliseum for so long, I think they're going to get a big crowd there. Uh, just kids are going to want to show up and watch them. I also, uh, recruits don't usually look at one game. They don't get so affected by if a team loses, you know, by an upset. It's it's really this what they do in the season and also what the school is and all those factors outside and, of football. And where the momentum is heading yeah. as a program. Yeah, that's true too. Um, so, lost to Boston College while, well, you know, huge upset, fans are upset, recruits surprised them, but they're still interested in USC. You know, Cole Smith told me that it, he doesn't really care what they do this season, but it would be nice if they won, was basically how he put it to me. I think that's how most kids feel about that. And so, They'll have a good crowd at Oregon State. I don't think there's a question about that. Yeah, Cedric Ware told me he's really excited to come out here with his father because he committed to USC over the summer, and and this was after a visit that he took by himself for the camp. Um, now his dad gets to join him and and really check out where his son's going to be uh, at college for four years. His dad told me he's excited to have some Roscoe's chicken and waffles and uh, some in and out. So USC coaches, if you're listening, make sure you have that on the table when when those guys get there. Chuma Doga, another uh, visitor, official visitor this upcoming weekend. He told me that it, it, the biggest thing for him is is continuing to strengthen that relationship with Drevno and also kind of start building a relationship with the current offensive lineman he's already been in conversations with Clayton Johnston and Roy Hemsley and Cole Smith and and you know even Ricky Town who he'll be protecting for the next four years of his life so I think um, you know for him it's about starting to integrate himself with the team and, and that's really important Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think for USC, these these trips that we're talking about are also really important because some of these guys are, are going to visit other schools. Aka Cedric Ware plans t- to take, you know, all of his official visits, so they really need to impress him and his father, and, you know, they need to continue to impress uh, Truman Doga. I know he's he signed scholarship papers with them, but he's still going to visit Georgia. Georgia has a really good team this year, so these visits are still important, you know, even though these guys are committed. Yeah, Cedric Ware uh, wants to visit Iowa at some point, um, but I know USC will do its best 
either you know by feeding him Roscoe's chicken and waffles or in and out. But I, I think it'll be about sealing the deal with these guys. You know, getting them on campus, getting uh, you know a nice experience out for them, and you know beating Oregon State on Saturday at the Coliseum, and then you know obviously sealing the deal there on Sunday with uh, that beachside brunch that they do uh, out in Manhattan Beach. Um, I, I think a big thing for for USC is you know, maybe showing that they can bounce back from a game like the Boston College game um, against a good, unbeaten Oregon State team. Uh, recruits will obviously be looking and, and they'll be watching. Uh, is there something that you think USC needs to prove now, maybe either schematically or identity-wise or, or even with you know their uh, attitude or, or their motivation to maybe you know kind of get a, an ability or, or get a chance to seal the deal with some of these recruits? I think they have a lot to prove. Um, I think from a recruiting standpoint with the coaching staff, I think the staff still has to prove that you know they're a top staff, one of the better staffs in the country. We don't know yet, and the recruits don't know. It's still a question. You know, If they keep losing games they're not supposed to lose, people will question them. Uh, as, as far as scheme, I think the USC wants to prove that they can run the ball. Uh, you know, that's it's a huge problem if they can't and they couldn't do it against Boston College. And I, I think that uh, defensively, they they just want to have a nasty physical attitude again and play Trojan football. Uh, I think that's what the recruits are going to be looking for. And that's what the coaches are going to be looking for too. And one final note on a recruit: there's a guy from Georgia who's who's thinking about making an official visit out here. Yeah, uh, receiver Preston Williams committed to Tennessee. He's one of the top receivers in the country. Uh, He's, he's planning an official visit to USC. He doesn't know when he's going to take it yet, but he just wants to get out there and really give SC a shot and get to know the program a little bit. He's committed. It's not completely solid, obviously, since he's taking a visit. There, there's rumblings. You know, He's talking to some other SEC programs. Maybe Georgia, the local school, comes in and gets him away from Tennessee. So you know, he's a guy that USC fans should keep an eye on. He, he, God, he's, he's a really talented guy, too. Yeah, we expect a lot of recruits to be at the Coliseum this weekend when USC takes on Oregon State. Keep it at Trojansports.com for all the latest recruiting news throughout the weekend and early next week. He's Chris Swanson. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris P. Swanson. You can follow Adam Maya at Adam J. Maya. And you can follow me at B. Angulo. Thanks for joining us. Keep it right here at Trojansports.com. Thank you for listening to this week's Trojan Sports Podcast. Join us every week as we break down everything USC football, recruiting, analysis, and so much more. All at the new Trojansports.com, powered by rivals. Follow Chris Swanson on Twitter and Blair Angulo at Chris P. Swanson and at B. Angulo. This has been your weekly Trojansports.com podcast.